Sunny's inventive and multi-award winning theatre works have been presented in over 60 cities across the world and translated into six different languages. His wide range of audiences have spanned international arts festival goers, queers in, under, queers in underground warehouses, seniors in regional theatres and young people in drop-in centres. In recognition of his prominence in Canadian theatre, Sunny was selected to write the World Theatre Day message for Canada in 2019. Let's chat with Sunny Drake on how he is spreading awareness on climate change using humor. Sounds interesting, isn't it? This is the Guiding Voice Podcasting, the Guiding Voice for a Better Future. I'm your host, Navin Samala, just a fellow professional on a mission to make the world a better place to live. And through the Guiding Voice, we drive conversations that matter and conversations that add value to your life and to your career. Thank you so much for joining me. Sunny, hearty welcome to the Guiding Voice. I'm super excited to have you today. I'm so excited to be on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Sure. Sunny, you have been a great theatre artist and a multi-talented professional and uh, you have been recognised as one of the famous personalities in Canada. So, can you share with our audience the top three things that have attributed to your success so far? Yeah, great question, Naveen. I mean, firstly for me, uh, having the right team. Like, you know, there's only so far I can have all the talent and all the drive in the world, but without the right team around me, there's really only so far I can go. So, for example, with my theatrical podcast that we'll talk about a bit later, Climate Change and Other Small Talk, I've instead of just writing a play on my own, I worked with nine creative teams from around the world. And it's yeah. the talent and drive and skills and knowledge of those nine teams on my team that then um, have, you know, really sort of driven a, a bunch of success. And I find that across all of my projects, just my collaborations are so important. And secondly, persistence, 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 and specifically persistence in the face of rejection. Artists in particular, and I'm sure many of the other listeners in other fields, are continually faced with a barrage of rejections. As an artist, I'm constantly getting, no, your work doesn't quite fit here. No, we won't give you the money. No, this, no, 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 no. And from the outside, when people sort of look at uh, some of the successes I've had, they're like, wow, you, you know, you just get so many yeses, like you've got so much stuff happening. But what they don't see is behind closed doors, I'm continually getting uh, no's and rejections. And so really learning how to not take that personally. Mm. It's not personal that someone's saying, no, this, you know, this work doesn't quite match with, with what I've got going on here. You know, it's like, it, it's learning how to just kind of keep on going and not take that personally. And, and, you know, and for me, that's a, a bunch of practices with also making sure I'm getting nourishment too, and mm. making sure I'm having, asking, you know, my, my colleagues and, and people in my life to also validate, Hey, keep going. Here's what I really loved about this and that and that. Uh, and then thirdly, you know, I'm going to say thirdly is talent. 
and and with talent, it's not some kind of like natural thing that just sort of descends like, oh my God, I was born a talented writer. That's mm-hmm. something that I've really worked at, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of myths um, around the arts, but potentially also other professions too, mm-hmm. that you've just, you've either got it or you don't. When in fact that, you know, it's, it's, there's some sort of thing flying around the internet that it takes 10,000 hours of practice to really master something. And I don't know if it's 10,000 hours or more or less, or, but it's certainly, you know, for me over my career, I've really gotten much, I've, I've honed my craft because I've put the work and time in to, uh, you know, to doing that, to skills development and to literally sitting down at the computer and tapping the keys. You know, writing cannot be done without the, you know, the discipline of sitting there <laughs> and writing. Yeah, good one. Out of all these, uh, one which stands out is don't take no personally. And everybody undergoes that rejection behind yeah. the scenes. But we all see the other side of it. All the glory of all the S's are visible, but no's are not visible. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah. So, Sunny, I've come across uh, certain uh, themes, okay, at least in Indian villages and eastern part of India, wherein these uh, artists like uh, who are into folklore, they spread some messages, okay, which may benefit to the society at large, right? Likewise, over a period of time, that has come down. But nowadays, uh, youth are into this role plays, doing that street acts in order to spread some awareness, be it related to adoption of children, or be it not to use the plastic, or be it saving the environment. Likewise, there are several different campaigns which run. So I would like to hear from you. What role do these artists and stories play in changing the world positively? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, art is so powerful at appealing to our values and at really connecting with that, all the layers of stuff that uh, are in that sort of uh, mysterious realm that sometimes it sort of can be confusing to go, well, how does change actually happen? Um, and part of how change happens is when people, um, when you evoke people's values and story is very powerful at getting right in underneath the sort of mental or um, intellectual defenses and into that more like that sort of bodily experience, which is sort of uh, the layer that values play out. And I've been um, quite intrigued by some some of the sort of research I've read. Um, and for example, um, a book by Yuval Harari, um, *Sapiens*, that also mm. looks at the um, at at human evolution and kind of looks at the the human brain. And somewhere around sort of sixty thousand years ago, yeah. the human brain underwent a couple of key changes. Firstly, changes that made us uh, a, more able to communicate more complex mm-hmm. things. Yeah. And secondly. Uh, we develop the capacity for fiction, the capacity to tell story, imagining things that didn't already exist. Mm. So prior to this, we could only change if um, either our environment changed and suddenly we had something new to deal with, yep. or if uh, some random genetic mutation that made us change. But now suddenly, or not suddenly, over over many years, our brains changed so that we can actually have a much more profound impact on the world around us because we can imagine things that didn't already exist 
and we can communicate them with each other. And you need hundreds of thousands of people enrolled in the same story or the same vision before mm-hmm. you can actually make it a reality. Let's take money, for example. There's nothing natural or inherent about money. Yeah. We literally made that up. And then we have enrolled actually billions of people in the concept of money. And so that's that's essentially a story. That's a vision or a story that got told that now everyone buys into. So artists have the power, firstly, to reflect back some of these stories and go, hey, you know what? This story is not really serving us. It's time for a new story. And we also have the ability to then communicate new visions or revive old visions, old ways of living as well as Mm. new ways of living and really communicate them in a way that cuts through the noise directly into people's value system. So Mm. it's a pretty powerful uh, way to to create change. Mm -hmm. I heard a lot about Sapien's book and uh, this is one more instance where I heard from another guest like you. So I think this seems to be a powerful book. Again, it's been long pending on my list. I think uh, this is uh, compelling me to definitely go for it. And uh, thanks for reminding that. And with that, let's move to the next question. So when it comes to climate change, science, politics, sports, likewise, we have many different fields. So where do you think artists and storytellers fit in? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for starters to say, we need the climate scientists. We have to have the climate scientists. We need the facts. We need to understand what's going on. Otherwise, it would be very easy for us to just kind of think, wow, like there's a lot of, you know, rain or or storm or drought or like, what's with that? We need the scientists to understand what's going on. But we also, you know, but facts alone don't change culture stories change culture like we were just talking about so we need the artists in the space that is you know uh that's actually really working on okay dealing for example with our anxiety about for starters our anxiety about the climate because most of us now know about about climate change most of us now believe that climate change is human cause um, and yet change is not happening quickly enough. So it's really the role of then artists to kind of go, okay, we've got the climate scientists, mm. uh, we, we've got the facts. And actually the, the bizarre thing is we already have a lot of the technology that we need to deal with the climate crisis. That's not the problem. The problem is, is the, uh, uh, you know, a very small handful of people who have a lot of resources uh, unwilling to let go of those resources and um, and shift away from you know fossil fuels. So it's really then it's it's our artist role to kind of you know um, enroll large numbers of people in um, in being willing to sort of get around our own fears and things and and touching people in a way that moves folks into action. And then I will also say that has to happen in partnership then with climate movements, with activists and movements. On on the ground to take the energy like so it's like the artists kind of change and then climate movements catch them and go okay now that you you know you're feeling inspired to do something here i i've got you know here are 10 things we can work on together so that's you know how how science and artists and climate movements can all work together and also can you tell us about your experience of working with an impact producer to channel yeah. the audience into action Exactly. Yeah, great. 
So on climate change and other small talk, when I started the project, what I had really reflected on about my past works was often, you know, I've always made work about quite political themes. And mm -hmm. when I say political, I mean small p political, like themes of, of uh, revisioning masculinity or looking at our housing crises, for example. What I noticed, though, is, okay, in my shows and the shows of my um, peers, we create these experiences where audiences feel moved and feel these things and maybe have shifts in their worldviews. And then we open the theater door and send them back out into the world. And, okay, maybe for a day or two they have this lingering sort of something or other, but where do we take that energy that mm. they've had then to, you know, and how do we translate that into action? So the job of then the impact producer, we've worked with a fabulous um, impact producer, Shaprice Henry, and her job has been to kind of look at the art and say, okay, what are the possibilities then for leveraging this into real world change? Mm. So she's then um, partnered with some, uh, well, she's, uh, you know, reached out to a bunch of kind of uh, different climate organizing and and uh, we are featuring um, some particular climate campaigns. So the audience can go, oh, I've listened to the audio drama and now I want to do something. And so we've yeah. got kind of pathways for them to actually go and do something. And mm. also, I mean, our impact producer also had a hand in the art itself as well. Mm. So while the, our playwrights from around the world were writing these nine different stories, um, our impact producer also read those stories and sort of was able to go, hey, oh, this bit you've written here, it really, um, you know, there's this climate justice person who speaks mm. a lot about that. You could read that if you want to kind of expand on that section. Or this bit here, um, I don't know if you realize it's sort of playing into some symbolism that you might not quite mean to be playing into. Here's some context around that. So mm. kind of really having that support as playwrights to make sure that, you know, the symbolism and the stories were evoking the things that we wanted them to. And uh, it also made me curious, how did you come up with the idea of working with nine teams of artists around the world on this podcast? Yeah, yeah, that's a, um, a, a an epic story in and of itself. I mean, so I decided I was increasingly concerned about mm. the climate, like most of us are. And I went, right, I'm going to write a play. And so I got accepted into this artist residency, a very mind-blowing experience where I went on a tall ship in mm. the high Arctic, like sailing through these ice sheets with 30 artists and scientists on board the boat. And we visited the world's northernmost climate research station up in New Allison, which is way north of uh, Scandinavia, just 10 degrees away from the North Pole. Mm. And I met these climate scientists who are collecting all their local weather data and other things that are really essential in understanding the local picture of climate change. Um, and while that local information is vital and very important, we also need the the global picture so they combine together their data with hundreds of other weather stations around the world and and we see that also in climate activism it's this interplay between the very local and mm. the global which is so important so we we absolutely have to have you know it can't be a one-size-fits-all it's not a one-size-fits-all uh, uh, solution they have to be very micro tailored solutions in different areas but also that we need global coordination and so I went okay well rather than me just writing my whole own play what if I did the same thing the scientists were doing got you know these different teams from around the world to each look at what are the locally relevant kind of stories or questions they have 
um, and writing these kind of micro local stories and then combining them together into this uh, global project. Um, um, mm. So that's how, you know, kind of what we ca- reached out to and, and uh, partnered with. Um, so our, our partner teams are in Australia, India, um, Mauritius, Nigeria, mm. Chile, and then four teams across Canada. Wow. That's amazing. And uh, it's so inspiring the way you are trying to deal with this climate change and uh, spread that message. You have gone that extra mile and making it as compelling as possible. And this brings me to my next question. Why use humor about such a challenging topic as climate change? Yeah, great question. I mean, so many of us know and care about climate change, but I don't know about you. What I noticed started happening with me, I get the new, you know, big report in uh, coming through my inbox. I'd, I'd read the news and it was always, it was really like scary. I started getting very anxious about the climate. Um, and what I noticed was I just started kind of pressing next on the story on my, you know, I started kind of zoning out a little because it was so overwhelming to know where to start and really terrifying. And so, um, and I think, you know, a lot of people want to engage with the climate, but um, it's it's hard to know where to start sometimes. So, so I was determined then with this um, series, and this is something that, you know, was a sort of parameter that I gave out to each of the playwrights was let's instead um, of kind of terrifying people with like, you have to listen to this now or we're all going to, it's going to be over for all of us. Instead of that, like using humor as a way that like these are episodes that you will actually enjoy listening to that. Yes, they deal with difficult things, but if we can make people laugh, we can go so much further into the difficult content because people also get the experience of, okay, release of laughter and then you go a little further into difficult content and then something funny again you get to kind of release with laughter and then it eases you sort of in and around and sideways through all of the terrifying things so it's just a really different way to engage people that you know that is um, much easier as an access point um, for people who you know um, have found it hard to engage with with otherwise serious stuff that is creative. <laughs> okay. Now, can you briefly talk about one or two episodes of your podcast? Yeah. Well, I mean, we've got sort of everything from, okay, flood happening in, happening in a couple's home, but a fictionalized Amazon has taken mm. over emergency services. I mean, what could possibly go wrong here? So there's a whole series of kind of, you know, fallouts from that. Then our episode uh, made by our um, Indian playwright, uh, there's, um, is set in a submarine off the coast of India. And the government has, you know, instructed the submarine to uh, seek out and destroy climate change itself. Like, totally simple, right? Just plug in the coordinates and, and boom, you know, uh, it's problem solved. So, okay, obviously not quite so simple, but um, Ram Ganesh Kamatam, who's the uh, playwright there, um, uh, was really interested to look at kind of um, – you know, inaction of government and specifically kind of a, a global um, cooperation or, or not. Um, and then we have uh, another episode where Nana and Pop in Australia have just learned about mm-hmm. cow farts. 
from mm. their granddaughter and how cow farts are contributing to climate change and they're having their mm-hmm. whole uh, minds melted down in their learning process. So we've got a whole range of different um, genres and styles and, and content um, that looks at this serious mm. content from greenwashing through to uh, international geopolitics through to co-optation of climate movements, mm. but uh, again, using story and humour and satire or absurdity. Quite, quite interesting. Uh, this has been great conversation, Sunny. Uh, let's add some spice to the episode. I'm going to kick off a quick rapid fire round if you are ready. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. All right. So let's uh, fire. Let me fire the first bullet. If you could have one gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? It would say, "What is truly worth your remaining time?" So powerful. <laughs> okay. Here comes the next one. Between invisibility versus super strength, which one would you choose and why? Huh. I think I might go for invisibility because then I could like slip in and out of uh, spaces and just suddenly be surprised and um, and get into like spaces <laughs> where big decisions are being made. <laughs> Wonderful. And again, that is also contributing to saving the climate. That's awesome. <laughs> and can you describe yourself in just one word? love and uh, what is the weirdest thing that you have ever eaten so far i grew up in australia so i grew up eating every morning uh yeast paste otherwise known as vegemite which everyone other than australians think is weird and disgusting <laughs> okay would you like to share any secret with our audience that you never shared anywhere i am a professional writer yet i am a terrible speller and i would not last a day without spell check <laughs> fair enough and uh, with that let me find the last bullet uh, the last bullet out of rapid fire uh, sunny what is one electronic gadget that you like to invent or see something that lets us communicate with trees and nature and animals and that also means we have to then give those answers a seat at the decision making table wow so powerful i i simply loved it that's so amazing <laughs> great rapid fire round sunny let's flip back to the mainstream and what will be your one piece of advice to those aspiring to make big in their careers yeah, i mean i think um making sure that your what your field you're working and your vision and your goals align with your values so it can be really easy in our world of you know kind of our fast paced world to get taken away from our own value centers so really taking the time to actually step back and go you know what when i'm like hopefully you know 80 years old or how, however old am i going to look back and be proud of the decisions i made and you know so really getting in touch with your values and making sure that the things you're going to make big on in the world come from that that uh that center of of values mm awesome great advice and uh, thank you uh, sunny for that advice and uh, how how was your experience being hosted on the guiding voice platform this has been great navin like i've i've loved the questions that you've asked and um yeah fantastic to get to have this conversation and thanks so much for having me <laughs> pleasure to host you and uh, thank you so much for being part of the journey i really appreciate your time as well as all the insights that you have shared thanks so much folks that was our episode with sunny drake and uh, i wish each one of us should also contribute to protecting or saving the climate 
because it's already high time. And before we move into the trivia section, here is a request to you. Please subscribe to us in case if you haven't done already. Also, if you are listening to this podcast episode on Spotify or Apple, please follow. And also, if possible, leave a rating or review so that we'll be able to reach wider audience. Also, if you have loved this conversation and found the episode useful, please share with at least three of your friends or colleagues who can benefit from the guiding voice. Thanks in advance. Now let's hop into the trivia segment of today's episode. And today's trivia is about climate change. Having had some intriguing conversation about how Sunny is doing his bit in, in terms of protecting the climate, I thought I would present a few staggering facts. I'll, I would like to begin with the first one, which is the global temperature on an average has increased by 0.6 to 1 degree Celsius till the 20th century. But going forward, the global temperature will increase minimum 1 degree Celsius from now on. And in case if we don't do our bit, it will further increase and which will lead to huge or rapid global warming. And here comes the next fact. The United States constitutes just 5% of the world population. However, it contributes to 22% of the world's carbon emission. And the next fact is, around 15% of the carbon released in the environment is due to deforestation and change in the use of land. And the last one is, the golden toad is the first species to go extinct due to climate change. This is all causing a lot of nervousness and worry to all the climate activists. And folks, here is my question. What are you doing to deal with the climate changes? And did you come across any best practices which contribute to saving the climate? Let me know in the form of comments if you are watching it on YouTube or else if you have found this episode on any social media, comment there. That's all for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. And do not forget to share your topic recommendations or guest speaker suggestions through social media or email me at theguidingvoiceforyou at redgmail.com. I'm your host, Navin Samala. Just a fellow professional and a passionate learner on a mission to make the world a better place to live through conversations that matter and conversations that add value to your life and to your career. Until next time, bye-bye. See you all in the next episode with another wonderful guest signing off for now. <music>